Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Tina Horn, and welcome to the very first episode of Why Are People Into That? Why Are People Into That? is a brand new podcast. It is created, produced, and hosted by me. And the idea of the podcast is that each episode is going to feature a different subject of human sexuality and sort of non-judgmentally ask the question, why are people into that? So, for example, today we're going to be talking about power, but I've already recorded episodes about prostate massage and sex work, and I have some scheduled for age play, leather, boot blacking, polyamory, breasts, gangbangs, spanking, and much more. Each episode, I'm going to have a guest who is an expert in the episode's subject. We're going to explore science, psychology, social dynamics, history, and hopefully we'll also tell you some really dirty stories and give you expert suggestions on how you can start exploring if you yourself are into that. Since this is the first episode, let me tell you a little bit about me. I'm a writer and media maker and educator, and I am completely obsessed with sex. I'm a queer woman, and I'm very sexually adventurous, but if there's one thing I love more than getting it on, it's mouthing off about getting it on. I've been a sex educator in many different capacities for about seven years, so I've talked to a lot of people about their fetishes and what makes them tick. Luckily, I know of a lot of other hot, slutty people who are also completely obsessed with talking about sex. So the show is going to feature writers, performance artists, medical professionals, pornographers, teachers, whores, social workers, and other outspoken people from many different kinds of underground communities. A few words about our sponsor. Several years ago, I met Jennifer Pritchett from Smitten Kitten, and she has always been a huge supporter of folks in sex geek communities. I cannot overstate that this podcast would never have been a reality if it weren't for Smitten Kitten. Luckily, it's not like selling my soul to some corporate sponsorship. I actually happen to believe that everybody should shop at Smitten Kitten, get themselves vibrators and strap-ons and porn and how-to books and butt plugs and all sorts of other high-quality toys for erotic experimentations. You know, Smitten Kitten is really more than a sex toy retailer. They're a community resource, and I wholeheartedly endorse that you check them out at www.smittenkittenonline.com. So, without further ado, let's get to the first episode. My first guest is a dear friend of mine, Mr. Sinclair Sexsmith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we talk about one of our favorite subjects, power. so much for being here on why are people into that uh this is our 
maiden voyage, our flagship episode. Can you say flagship about an episode of the thing? You can say whatever you want. Uh, that is true. This is podcast. my fucking podcast. Right. Um, so I'm Tina Warren, and um, I'm so happy to have Sinclair Sex with uh, on the show in this bed that we are recording this show on right now. We're de- we're we're fully clothed on top of the comforter in a bed. Scandalous. Probably. Probably. Maybe. No one will ever know. For now. For now, yes. Uh, it's early. The night is young. What does power mean to me? Uh, well, when we're talking about power in a sexualized context of, um, of power play, which is, I think, what we're mostly talking about, as opposed to, you know, um, absolute power corrupts absolutely mm-hmm. and the power of the government or something like that. I'm talking about power play. Yeah. It means, I think there's a couple different pieces, but it, it mostly means, um, uh, my favorite part of it means being the one who's in charge, uh, being the one who controls the directions that, uh, a, a sexual encounter goes in. Um, it's not necessarily the control of the how hard, how fast, how deep, how long. I I still kind of think that the bottom controls that um, in a lot of ways. Uh, but I think that there's frequently, I'm going to, you know, the controls of the left turn versus the right turn and the controls of um, uh, this flogger versus that flogger. Although sometimes that stuff is very negotiated. Uh, so, so power and control are very related, but I don't necessarily think they're the same thing. Mm. I think we feel powerful in a lot of different BDSM play. Uh, and one of the, one of the biggest ways that I feel powerful in the world is through, uh, BDSM play and rough sex and, um, um, I don't know, getting someone to be a little puddly mess at my feet. <laughs> um, so what does power mean to me? I'm, I'm already meandering, but... No, meandering is fine. Um, can you give, you know, if you think of it as sort of like an icebreaker or free association question, um, uh, what is the first thing that comes to mind? When, power? Yeah, uh, like, when I think of power, I think of... When I think of power in a playing BDSM context, sex, sexual context, yeah. I think of black leather, I think of toy bags with lots of gear that you would, you know, use to restrain somebody or use to have, like, implements to, you know, cause a sensation on their body and be it, you know, pain, pleasure, wax, you know, heat, intensity. I think of, um... I think of, you know, what just came to my mind is um, something that I used to call my feminist fist moment, where I was in an early scene where I was beating someone with my fist and pulled my arm back with this huge shit-eating grin on my face, and I was just like, this is so much fun. And then I, and I pulled my arm back, and I was like, oh my god, I'm beating somebody. Mm. Like I, I'm such a terrible person. I'm a bad person. I'm a bad feminist. I care so much about, I don't know, women's bodies and, you know, pleasure and whatever. And I'm beating somebody and freaked myself out. So it was my feminist fist moment about, um, 
<laughs> I, it, I actually had to pause. I think it's one of the few times I've kind of not, I didn't quite say for it as a top, but it was close. Like I had to pause and then really, um, and say like, I, I need to stop. I need, I need to stop right now. And, um, and it was fine. You know, one of the other rules of feminism or, uh, uh concepts of feminism that I love is about consent and about agency. And I trusted, you know, they were very good, like held me for a while and were like, it's okay. It's okay. No, I really did want you to beat me. No, I really liked it when you beat me like that. And it was really helpful. But, um, but I've had moments of that feeling just this power coursing through me and being like, wow, I could fuck this up. And, uh, and so the responsibility that comes with power is also something that, that comes to my mind really quickly with association. Well, um, I feel like you, uh, touched on your scenario that you just described exemplifies something that I think that a lot of people have a really big problem with when it comes to power exchange and power dynamics in, and power play, um, in sexuality and in BDSM, um, which is when you're doing something that is, you know, in the, in a different context would look like abuse, like, uh, like beating someone, like mm. tying them up, like verbally degrading them, you know, and, and those are some of the tools that we use to play with power sexually, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you say to people who are who come to you, uh, what do you, I mean, what do you say to the voice in your head that says, this makes you a bad feminist? What do you say to the people, I'm sure you encounter people all the time, who say, uh, these things are mutually exclusive. How can you go around calling yourself a feminist and, um, and then also do these, uh, these dark, depraved things? Yeah, I say that I both have, uh, critique, people who critique me, um, and say that I'm bad for doing these things to someone I supposedly love. And I have people coming to me saying, I have this crisis. I want to do these things. Right. And they turn me on so much. And I don't know how to do them because I really, you know, respect my wife or respect my girlfriend or respect myself and respect my feminism. And, um, and what do I say? I say, we need to talk about consent and agency basically. Can like, we talk about consent and agency right okay. now? Yeah. Why don't we? And also one that. thing that I do want to point out just because like just because we want to have a conversation about how um, in power play beating up a woman who wants to be beaten up and by beaten up we mean like impact play like yeah. you know cons obviously consensual um, uh, sensation play etc etc um Obviously, power dynamics do not need to be, um, like, a woman is not always the bottom or the submissive or the masochist, mm. like, obviously every configuration is possible, and I just sort of wanted to say that, like, before we continued the conversation. Totally. When you were just using the word woman, I was like, or a boy, or a man, or a person who is, gender is, doesn't have a specific word like that, especially yeah. unicorn, or, um, <laughs> <laughs> and also the power play doesn't have to be... Uh, corporeal, right? It doesn't have to right. be this like body, deep body play that, um, you know, it can be a very good tool to get someone into very submissive space that it can uh, feed the like dominant or top uh, powerful energy 
but it doesn't have to be through that. It could be yeah. through, you know, making dinner. It could be through yeah, absolutely. Um, sex, just, you know, loving even like, I mean, it can be through rough sex, maybe kind of easily, but it could be through beautiful, like candlelit sheets and sex. Well, it could be through the way that you look at each other. Exactly. I mean, it could be through the way that you look at a stranger across a room. Mm. Uh, cruising has so much power oh, dynamic okay. involved, yeah. but it can also be the way that you look at your partner or your lover, uh, in an intentional way. Totally. Um, totally. Well, let's, well, let's talk about, um, let's talk about agency. Agency. Um, to me, agency is, well, you didn't ask, but I'm just going to go. Uh, oh, please. <laughs> to me, agency is about, um, the trust in one's ability to, um, know what is right for oneself and the ability to trust that if someone else is saying, this is what's right for me, that you allow them to make that assertion for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my example of that is I definitely had a period of time when I was exploring power play in my sex life. Mm -hmm. And I, I definitely can remember, um, several experiences of, uh, going on dates with people and asking them to call me a slut because I was very curious and, uh, about and excited by, um, being verbally degraded. Um, and that word in particular, the word slut, um, always held a lot of excitement and, uh, and power for me. And I have lots of thoughts about that, but, um, maybe that's another episode, but I definitely, <laughs> I definitely remember, um, kind of remember several, uh, instances of asking someone to call me a slut <clears throat> and their response being, uh, well, I can't do that because that's degrading for you. And it was very clear to me and I, 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 you know, it's very much stuck with me, and I use this example all the time to sort of describe this dynamic, that it's more degrading to tell me that you know more than I do about what's good for me than to listen to what I'm saying when I say, this is something that I am into. Into. And, and I and I'm requesting it. Request. And, and of course, the di and, you know, and the distinction that's very important is that if if, for example, if any of these people that I'd been on dates with had said, I don't feel comfortable with that. I don't want to do that. It doesn't turn me on. It, it's, it's a boundary for me. Um, that's it's, it's a completely, di or like, thing. maybe let's talk about, let, let, let's talk about this, but th that's completely different from what I'm saying, because of course I respect that if somebody doesn't, some, somebody's not, in, you know, uh, yeah, somebody's not required to do something in bed with me just because I want it. Hopefully that should be obvious by this right. point, but, um, but the, uh, the point is that the reason that they give for not doing it is actually counterproductive. And I, and I suspect, and I've often found that actually people are just as interested in doing that thing, especially when I'm saying this would really turn me on. Um, but they're limiting themselves because because of shame, because of, uh, Projection. yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, that's something that I would really hope that we can have more conversations about, um, so that people can actually be able to experience the things that they want to experience because I think that they're limiting themselves because of, as you say, because of projection. Right. And limiting themselves, not because they're, they don't want to do it, but because they are, um, deciding what's best for others. 
And so it is kind of agency is about deciding what's best for yourself. And, and it's really okay to have boundaries. It's really okay to say, I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. It's not, I'm not into it for whatever. I don't, I kind of don't care if you don't have a reason. You can just yeah. be like, I'm not into it. I'm, as we were talking about earlier, I'm a firm believer that you actually don't ever have to have a reason for yeah. a boundary. Not into it. It's um, a good enough reason for me. Yeah. But also one of the things that's great about sexual relationships is the opportunity to have a conversation and say, oh, well, what actually is, do you want to talk about what's behind that boundary? Because sometimes when you talk about a boundary, it changes. And that's not to say that if you want to fuck your girlfriend in the butt, you should have a conversation with her about it. And then she'll change her boundary because you've talked about it. No. Different, but, um, different kind of power, different kind of power. Absolutely. No, but the, the, there is a lot of empowerment and thus a lot of power in having your own agency and in being able to say, I'd really like to do this. And in, in running the experiment of like, what would happen if you and I did this together? Cause I think I'd be into this. Right. And then afterward being like, so how was that for you? How was that for me? What was it like? Oh, wow. When you did this, I really, really liked it. When you did that other thing, didn't like it that much. So maybe we could do it again and you could do that thing I liked like five times instead of just the once, you know? Well, do you wait? I well, love this. Well, let's talk, let's, let's, um, uh, let's talk about negotiation because, um, I think that negotiation is a really great way. So when we're playing with power, yeah. um, uh, I think that a lot of times in, in BDSM, uh, we have this system of negotiation, i.e. a conversation before we do the things that we do to check in about our desires and boundaries, because a lot of the things that we do with power play and everything else involved in BDSM is, or even is perceived to be more volatile or, uh, potentially, uh, harmful or potentially, uh, uh, have dangerous, dangerous, exactly. Um, then, other kinds of sexuality. And the, the truth is, is that I really feel like negotiation can be really great for anybody. But also I, I hear a lot of, I get a lot of pushback when I say that because I think that people feel that those conversations, um, spoil the mood. And I'm wondering if you can speak to how negotiations, <laughs> they can't see your thumbs down in the podcast. Thumbs down spoils the mood. Thumbs down. Um, uh, so can you, can you speak to spoils the mood? Can you, can you speak to, um, how to make negotiation sexy and why negotiation is fundamentally sexy? Uh, I guess I really see negotiation as, um, part of both flirting and foreplay and, um, and knowing what somebody wants is really hot to me and knowing what they, you know, knowing what they, therefore knowing what they don't want is really hot to me too, because it's, it gives me tons of permission. If we're, you know, thinking about having some fun together and I'm going to be in charge and I'm going to, and you know, I want to know what would be pleasurable for you because as much as I want to be in charge, I also want to have an exchange of back and forth, right? And I want to have, um, I want you to be fulfilled and I want me to be fulfilled at the same time. So if I am going to be, if that's going to happen for me, I would want you to tell me what would be pleasurable for your body right now. Mm. And, and if you're like, well, fuck, 
I haven't been flogged in a long time. Maybe you could flog me and then, and especially on my ass, because, you know, you're an ass slut. <laughs> and, um, I don't know what you're talking hypothetically, about. this person that I would maybe be playing with. And, and then you would say, and then I would really love, um, I don't know, to jerk off with a Hitachi while you watch. Then that would be so much good information for me, and I would be already a little bit turned on, <laughs> hypothetically, and I would um, be able to really uh, delve into uh, those things as containers, but then add some of my own, you know, the, um, special uh, um, tidbits to the to the scene, right? Like if. If I was, I could also say like, well, I would love to vlog you, and I would love to watch you get off of the dodgy, and I also would really love it if I could do a bunch of hair pulling, and I would really love it if I could bite you some. Like, is it okay if I leave marks? You know, and then we have this great scene, and we're starting to be turned on because we're starting to talk about what we like, um, and we have all these options, and then I could intersperse things as the person who's kind of driving. So my, I, I was going to say this before, my. Uh, boy right now has a great description about power and control um, of it being something about driving the car. So the dominant or the person in in the power position, the D-type, the top, the dominant, the daddy, the mommy, the master, the whomever. The sadist, bro. Sadist, exactly. Uh, is the one... Although sadists can be bottoms. Sadists can totally be bottoms. It, Right. Not to all of these None, things can all, also all be of these anyway. exactly. None of these things are mutually exclusive of anything else. But, but usually but, when we're talking about the D type, it's most of those types and the S types are the bottoms and the submissives and the slaves and the boys and the girls and the small Yeah. Um lowercase letter yeah. person. Cool. Uh so to make that, you know, broad category so we can talk about them broadly. Um so the D-type is the one driving the car, controlling the steering wheel, and the S-type is the one controlling the brakes and the gas. Huh. This is how fast we're going, this is when you're stopping, this is, um, but I'm going to say, yeah, we're going to take this little side trip over here, and I'm mm. going to say, we're going to go really fast down this freeway, and you're going to say, I don't really want to go fast, we're going to slow down this freeway, be like, okay, we're going to just chug along, and get there when we get there. I'm going to follow it to your gas, you know? Awesome. I like that a lot. I like that too. I, I also like to think of, I don't know, me, I, I always go back to music and food metaphors, um, especially when it comes to sex, because all those things go together in my mind. But um, I also like to think of negotiation, like maybe you want to bake a cake with someone, but there's a lot of different fucking cakes in the world. Mm, good. So um, one person says, I really want to make a chocolate cake, and the other person says, well, like, what about a German chocolate cake? And the person says, I love German chocolate cake. And so then you decide, you know, you're deciding how, how big it is, and, you know, and then by the time you get to baking together, you both know that this is the kind of cake that you want to make. That's great. And then maybe one person is in a position to say, I'm going to decorate the cake. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to be the one to mix the batter. Right, exactly. Because really, you don't need two spoons in the bowl. Right. So one person gets the spoon, and who's that going to be? Yeah, and who's going to lick the bowl? And you know, that brings... <laughs> I like the licking of the bowl. That brings me to an interesting kind of... Another piece about power, which is that I don't actually think it's the act itself that is the powerful thing. Like, we think... When we, when we talk about playing with power, especially in beginner... Like, this is how you could start. You know, some things would be um, having 
different, uh, um, being at different levels. So someone is on their knees and someone else is standing. Someone is on the floor and someone else is on their knees. Someone is uh, naked and someone is clothed. But usually that being the person on the floor, the person on their knees, the person who is unclothed has less power, and mm. the person who is clothed and who is standing and who is, you know, um, uh, or, uh, kneeling was my other example, uh, has more power. But if you are the person who is powerful, you, um, it's not the act itself, it's the mind space and the negotiation between you, and you could do anything. You know, sometimes we think about blowjobs as being something that's that the person who has the dick in whatever form it is in if it's a sure. strap on or a, a fleshy dick that's of any size <coughs> that they're the ones who are in charge and this other person is submitting to them but there's totally blowjobs that can happen and any kind of you know mouth on genitals that can happen with the person who is receiving is the one who is submitting. Yeah. So it's not the act itself; it's the it's the dynamic between the two people. <clears throat> Why do you think? Well, let me let me ask you this. I, when I was in high school, um, we read *Sons and Lovers* by D.H. Lawrence, and I had an English teacher who, um, I distinctly remember him making this very big point about how that book is about power, and that book is about how all human relationships are ultimately about power. And I was, you know, 17 years old and a virgin, and I remember being very upset about that idea. I remember being very, you know... About being a virgin? No, I was fine <laughs> being a Sorry, virgin. I had plenty of books to read. But I, um, but I, no, I was upset about the suggestion from my, I mean, I, I sort of don't think it's really a very appropriate thing to say, but, um, uh, whatever, it got me thinking, so I guess that makes him a good teacher. But, uh, the, um, the idea, the idea, I mean, I was also a little, like, baby feminist as well, you know, so when you're, when you're coming into consciousness about, um, uh, oppression and, uh, you know, systemic systems of oppression, was systemic systems, uh, systemic oppression and, um, uh, hegemony and all of those things that you're, like, seeing things in black and white, and I, I remember being like, no, that's not true, some, it's possible to be totally equal for, you know, men and women to be equal in their romantic relationships, for all people to be equal, etc., etc., and, you know, I think about that a lot because of how wholly and completely I believed that, and, and I, I think about how interesting it is for me now, being somebody who is really interested in fucking with power and undermining power and playing with power and also finding power very, a very exciting thing to play with, and, um, I wonder, yeah, no, go ahead. Can I say something to the feminism thing? Yeah, of course. The, um, I, I am a feminist. I love feminism. Feminist theory and feminist thought have taught me so much of what I needed to know in order to work in the world more effectively. And um, femini we, we have this idea that feminism has this notion that uh, all about egalitarianism. Right. That we're all equal and we all have equal value. And while I think that's really important as like a fundamental human sense, um, I think it can fuck us up in terms of 
you know, but I want to play with power and right. be a submissive or be a dominant or, or when someone says human relationships are all about power, you want to be like, oh my God, that's so not true. Um, you know, I have such good friends and I want to have lovers and we take turns in bed and, or whatever. And well, it comes from the idea that, that acknowledging power means that power is a bad thing, right? Yes. That, right. That acknowledging the power that is actually already present, uh, somehow brings it to, into light more and therefore, um, makes it more potent. Mm. But which it, I don't believe it does. I think if we're talking about power, and ex- one of the biggest ways power works is by being invisible mm. in systems of oppression. Right, right, in uh, insidious ways. Yes. In unconsensual ways. In, yeah. in, in, in the structures in the world that we struggle with. Right, so the, the, the idea of... I mean, I am in love with the idea of dragging it, kicking and screaming out of... The uh, out of its uh, you know invisibility, tearing off the invisibility cloak and saying this is this is what you are, this is what this is, or also like I don't even know what this is, but let's get it in the light where we can see it and fuck with it, and that to me is what BDSM play is how all about. Do, yeah, how does the system work, and how are we going to fuck it up, and how are we going to fix it, and how are we going to do something that feels better for us? So I think there's power from. The, the physical domination of doing corporeal scenes, and I think there's psychological power over someone else. And I think one of the biggest pieces for me is about doing it really consciously and doing um, having um, a power dynamic that is defined and negotiated and specific. And that um, if it, it's comforting in this way that power exchanges in the world are not defined, yes. are, are not negotiated, are not specific, are, right. are frequently, uh, completely unconsensual. Absolutely. And, and that fuck us up in larger ways that give us, uh, you know, a lack of access to, um, resources that we need, be it, uh, healthcare or food or, you know, a good apartment in New York city or whatever. Yes. Um, I also want to say that, you know, people who are fucked by systems of power are not just the marginalized, the the people who are who ha- who are privileged in systems of power get fucked with that too. I'm I'm so I'm right there with you, and I I definitely I really uh, I I agree with you. Yeah, and it's, and so both of what but uh, what you're suggesting is that both people who quote unquote benefit from systems of power who have uh, who have privilege who may be in uh, who may inherit the role of. Uh, enforcing that power as well as the people who are marginalized by the systems of power all have anxieties about those systems and all in, in, uh, all could benefit from, I would say could benefit from the catharsis of engaging in those within the, the confines or the structure of a negotiated scene in which they, as we were talking about agency earlier, in which the, agency of each individual to say what their desires and boundaries are is explicitly agreed upon and negotiated. Absolutely. And that the, the liberation that's possible when you recognize your p- position in the systems of power that already exists that you may or may not be able to do anything about because there's many, many institutionalized systems that we, you know, we can attempt to enact change, but they're much bigger than an individual. Um, so 
being in a, a tiny system of a uh, a couple, uh, you know, a scene, a BDSM scene, a negotiated one night stand, whatever you're doing, um, you have this teeny tiny little system and you can create whatever power you want in that. Yeah. You can, you know, create whatever kind of, um, of giving up of power, which can be such a relief when you have to hold a lot of power and you have to hold a lot of control and you have to hold a lot of like boundaries and containment and, you know, be really conscientious about what you're doing to just give over can be such a, a relief of that power. Yeah. And then to take it all on can be so, um, uh, embiggening. <laughs> it can be so <laughs> like, uh, it can make you feel, uh, it makes me feel, maybe I should rephrase, um, larger than I usually am. And I, I get to have this other person's, uh, set of power energy to, that like flows into me and I get to use that energy to, um, feel bigger than I feel. Usually I get to feel empowered that way. I get to feel in charge and I get to feel strong and capable. Uh, part of the reason why that resonates with me so deep is that I've always been, uh, large bodied, mm. you know, I've always been a little bit taller than my classmates as a kid. I developed early. I, you know, as a woman in this culture, not that I identify as a woman exactly, but like in that particular female bodied, female born, female assigned at birth role, um, I, uh, am slightly larger than average mm. and, or than media average, especially. Sure. And, um, and it gives me a reason to have that bulk on me. It makes me feel like that has a purpose and a function. Yeah. If I have some physical occupation of space and, and, uh, presence that I have, that is for the purpose of having power. And it makes me feel like there's a, a reason for it instead of being a, I don't know, an anomaly. Yeah. God, that is really interesting and inspiring and resonates with me a lot. Well, and if I can speak to size for a second too, like I know a lot of people who are very large who are, you know, as someone might say, a person of girth <laughs> that, um, uh, love to bottom, yeah. you know, so I don't think power and size have to go together, you know, that you have to be little and not have power or big and have power at all. I think it can be completely opposite. Some of the meanest, most sadistic, powerful, dominant fucks that I've known, and I say that very lovingly, sure. have been tiny little people who, yeah. like, get so huge and powerful in mm. their in their scenes and in their negotiated arrangements. And that's part of why it feels really good for them because it maybe goes against what social standards say that they should have based on their stature. Well, right. So there's what we're, what we're touching on here is that there is potential to use power in a way that corresponds to the experiences that you do have. And then there's ways to use power by, uh, inverting or subverting what your experience is or what the expectation of you is or what, uh, anxieties that are, that are placed on you, um, or that you, or that are manifest within you, um, can be. And, um, and the, your imagination is the limit for, or your desire is the limit for how you want to Absolutely. explore and play with that. And I, I can definitely say, going back to what, uh, you were saying a second ago, that it's almost among some people that I know, it's almost a joke that type A, that, about how many people that we know that are 
total type A personalities, super alpha, super confident. Really uh, on top of their shit. Exactly. Like brilliant, uh, folks who love to be sexually submissive and, um, the, uh, the example there and the dynamic there makes a great deal of sense to me that when you are used to, and I've, I can definitely speak to my own experience with this totally being a, like, Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters, May 17th, do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cerebral type A personality that, um when you, it's great to be those things all the time. And it's especially great when you are in some way marginalized, like for example, like being a woman and then being really a really confident business person is really awesome. And then sometimes the pressure of that is really huge, really huge and a lot and lives in your body and the opportunity to relinquish that control in a consensual way with somebody that you trust can be very cathartic and make it more possible for you to continue to do that with, to continue to hold that power in other places in your life without getting burnt out. Yeah. And the the same is true for the opposite, of course, like people who are shyer or, um, less assertive in life, like can feel empowered to like, to be, to be more, uh, dominant or assertive, um, in the bedroom or in the dungeon and that they, that's where they want to be that way. And in their everyday life, that's not a part of their personality, but when they, um, when they put their boots on or whatever, that's like who they get to be for that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that occurs to me in this conversation that I wanted to ask you about is I took a class of yours, um, uh, couple summers ago about the bad boy archetype. Mm. And I feel like that's really relevant to this conversation. Mm. You know, and the, the way that you framed that, that class, um, really was a discussion about what is so alluring to us about the bad boy. Um, and, uh, it was, it was really fascinating and got me thinking about that a lot. It got me thinking about like, uh, what is alluring to me about the, you know, the sort of like, James Dean, taciturn, uh, super cool, uh, confident leather jacket wearing boy. What is alluring to me about that? And also to what degree, like I am drawn to like wanting to embody that, um, and what's problematic about it and what's fucked up. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about, that was a while ago that we were having that conversation. So do you have any do you have any thoughts about yeah. that? Yeah, I still teach that class. And the, the class is about masculinity and dominance specifically. And, and masculinity being separate from maleness or from, from men in some ways. So any, in my opinion, anybody can, can occupy that space about, of masculinity. And the specific combination of masculinity and dominance um, in a culture, in a context of wanting to really honor feminism, Mm. because in this culture we have a patriarchy, we have, um, masculine, uh, 
privilege and an overvalue. Yeah. But that is something that um, <clears throat> that is a day to day reality that we live with. And absolutely, in my experience, until I was able to name it and talk about it and call it out, it bothered me. You know, and, what, and it, I mean, it still bothers me. It's not like it doesn't <laughs> bother me anymore. But I, it's e- easier for me to take it a whole lot less personally when I know it's part of a larger system instead of being mm. my issue. It, you know what? It's not that I'm an unattractive person. It's that masculine, uh, it's that, um, you know, patriarchy and the ways that sexism values skinny, small, petite, demure girls doesn't value my type of body or, uh, type of, uh, personality in yeah. the world. <clears throat> so, so, uh, looking at masculinity and dominance in a context of larger feminism where masculinity and dominance is really problematic, but then, um, but some of us are masculine and also dominant and that's not inherently bad. Mm. It's just, what do we do with that place occupying two at least positions of privilege and power? Um, and you know, I'm a white person. I occupy also some white privilege in that too. So we could even say masculinity, dominance and whiteness Mm. is a whole other thing. Um, you know, I could add many other pieces of my kind of intersectionality chart to that probably, but, but those are some really, really big ones, right? Overarching big ones. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, um, I think there's a lot of appeal in this culture of a bad boy and of a, of someone who is masculine and dominant and follows their own instincts. And, um, the, the archetype of the bad boy is that they will kind of be rough and tumble. They will go after what they want. They don't care who gets hurt in the way, which sometimes, you know, will be the dude bro at the bar that insulted the girl and and will sometimes be the girl. Right. Right. Like it's not, nobody's exempt from the bad boys kind of rough and tumble way. Right. And what is super appealing about the rough and tumble is actually the rough and tumble sex (laughs) and the rough and tumble, like grabbing life by the horns and fucking going for it. And that is something that, um, that we all kind of, I think, strive for, but then, and that this culture really strives for, but that we also completely devalue because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and we want to be sweet and we want to be a good person and we want to be nice and we don't want to like rock the boat. So, um, we admire those anti-heroes when they go after what they want so badly and so strongly, even when they fuck it up, there's still some admiration for going for it. Um, I'm, I'm still chewing on, um, I mean, no, it's a fascinating concept. It's, it's fascinating to talk about how that archetype lives in our culture and how we may not be, we may not even be aware that that is, that we either desire to be the bad boy or that we desire to be, um, uh, accidentally in the path of the, find ourselves in the path of the bad boy or both. Um, and it's, I think that sometimes naming it can help us to understand what oh, those desires are. Absolutely. And I can talk so much about the bad boy. Like there's, um, there's also the, like the damsel kind of issue of a bad boy of like, right. I'm going to scoop you up and fix you. Cause you're a little broken and, but, but I still like the rough and tumble in you, you know? And then, um, like, what are we, what are we getting involved in when we're, th- when we're getting involved with the bad boy archetype? What, you know, we like that they th- they're rough and tumble about this and this and this, but we don't like that they're rough and tumble about, you know, 
being late for dinner. Right, right. Or not returning our phone call. You know, when somebody's like, ooh, swoon, that masculine dominant person, you know, insert name here, so swoonworthy, amazing, I love that. They're not thinking, wow, I can't wait for them to not return my texts. And right. I can't wait for them to, you know, blow off the meeting with my mother. And I can't wait for, you know, we want most... I don't know, can, is it fair to say majority? Majority of people want a loving, caring relationship with someone, whoever they're with, even if it's not like this, you know, long-term marriage, whatever. Right. We want a loving relationship that we're, we're treated with respect. I think that's probably right. well, somewhat a universal human one. <laughs> I keep think, coming back to this phrase of uh, that I've been thinking about. I've been working on an essay or maybe a series of essays around this called the responsibility is so great. Mm. And I mean that in both ways of great. Like it's so large and it's so great. Yeah. It's for me, it's great to have that, um, that amount of, of power and with great power comes great responsibility. So what, you know, the question I've been chewing on a lot lately is like, what kind of responsibilities do I have as the person who supposedly has more power, quote unquote, you can't see my air quotes, but I'm making air quotes. Or, um, what is my, uh, responsibility as the dominant in this relationship? What is my responsibility as the top in this scene? Whatever that might be. And I think, um, well, you know, whatever the D type situation might be, what is the responsibility there? And, and of course it's variable for everybody. It's variable person to person. It's variable scene to scene probably, but, um, you know, some things like, uh, maintaining, um, awareness of everything around you is Mm. something that you are kind of responsible for. If you're in a flogging scene in a dungeon, or if you're in a, you know, scene where you're fucking somebody up against the wall of an alley, um, you are at least somewhat responsible for what's happening around you because the other person, uh, probably doesn't have their wits about them in the same way that you do. Well, the idea is to not have your wits about you, you know? I mean, I think that that is what we are looking to create for in sex so much. And it's what it, it gives, it gives some of us great pleasure to not have our wits about us. It gives us great pleasure to have our wits taken from us or, you know, to, to give our wits away or to have someone put us in that place. Um, and also give some of us great pleasure to put other people in that place or we put ourselves in that place by putting others in that place. And, um, so the question is, what is the difference between like when you're playing with fire, like what, you know, what, then what is human, what is like civilized, sentient humans who actually also do want to care for each other and be ethical and be feminist and be feminist. What, what, then, then what? Like, okay, so we want this thing and perhaps we could even conclude that it is good for us to explore it. So then what? And I think that the answer is what you just said. The answer is let us also create and agree upon a system of responsibility and accountability. And that's, and that's where community comes in. You know, that's where the fact that there are communities around BDSM comes in because ideally I think those communities also help reinforce that accountability to one another. And so we can all, 
you know, work on our pride and work on feeling supported, but also look around and recognize, like, here are ways that people are doing this sustainably and lovingly. Um, and here's advice on how we can handle this fire when it is shooting all over the place. Right. And this fire, I think the thing about having power, having the power, quote unquote, the power in a BDSM scene or in a, you know, DS BDSM based relationship is that, um, it isn't actually that I have more power than the other person. It's that they're temporarily loaning me their power mm. to use, to give back to them. Yeah. And the way I give it back to them is by enacting the power dynamics that we have agreed upon. Be that like, I'm going to enforce when your bedtime is, or be that like, I'm going to hit you with this flogger or be that like, I'm going to, you know, fuck you really well while you're in bondage or something. It's, there are different ways that, the power can be enacted, but, um, it's like a just, power investment, right? If you just give me all the power and then I don't do anything with it, mm. um, that is not, that's, well, it's not a power exchange. Yeah. It's not going back and forth and it's not very much fun for either person. Actually, right. like maybe I'm getting high from it a little bit, yeah. uh, but, um, we won't play again <laughs> probably. Yeah. yeah. And so the idea is actually to get this power, like the flow going between us where you give it to me, I give it back to you. You give me even more. I give you even more. Yeah. You're like, Whoa, that was a little too much. I back off a little bit. You give me a little more or, you know, or vice versa. I'm, I'm a dominant. So I'm using all these examples of me being in charge, but the, you know, whichever way the power's flowing, the idea is that I borrow yours temporarily to give it back. And part of my responsibility in being the dominant in that is to give it back. That I don't keep it, I give it. That's awesome. Um, and, and that I don't think, that doesn't mean that, you know, I want to hit this hard, is that I don't actually, I'm not a more powerful person than you. Yeah. I'm not a better person. I'm not a stronger, more willful. You know, I don't even have to be physically sized bigger. I yeah. don't have to be more able-bodied. I don't have to be more you know, holding more positions of power in the world, right. like being more white and male and affluent and whatever educated, I can just be, I can be all, I can be some of those things or not those things and take on the power that you give me such that we can have an experience together of like, uh, of flying really yeah. like of, of this, of this, uh, visceral body place where we get to release some of what we're holding on to. Yeah, I mean, uh, something that occurs to me is that um, some people listening probably will have had experiences and be nodding along and saying, yes, yes, I, I totally get that, or, oh, I, you know, I've I had this experience, but I've never thought about it that way, or why aren't they talking about it this way? Um, but, uh, but I think that you know, and, and some people are going to be like, what the fuck are they talking about? But, you know, I think, I think that, uh, I can say, and I'm hearing a lot that you're saying, and I've met in many conversations, uh, of various kinds with you about it, that we, we have both experienced what all of these, like, things that we were talking about in theory, we have experienced them in practice, and we were like, put them to practice, like, you know, perhaps even every day of our lives, and have for Indeed. years, yeah. and we're, you know, we're like, actually quite, like, you know, healthy, well-adjusted, um, you know, uh, 
<laughs> people who are of sound mind and body and who love this shit mm. and because we're also the kinds of both the kinds of people who are endlessly curious endlessly curious totally then we're both we're both going to ask these questions yeah. like why and yeah. And sometimes that is in the interest of curiosity, and sometimes it's in the interest of how can I experience it more fully, or how can I incorporate it into my life more sustainably, um, or how can I advise other people who are struggling with it to get in to get more in touch with it. Which brings me to my next question, which is, if there are people who are listening who are like, oh, this like power exchange of giving and growing and feeling really hot. Like that sounds fantastic and I want to do it, but I have no idea where to start because you're talking about so many abstractions. Um, if a client were to come to you and say, I'm really interested in experimenting with power, where would you start with them? I would start with them with some basics of BDSM and keep going from there. And at whatever level they were at at BDSM, I would try to escalate at another level, which is how you kind of can add more power. So, you know, if you want to add, if you want to experiment with some power in your, uh, sex life, whether or not that's, regardless of how active that is, if you want to experiment with your long-term lover or your next, you know, one night stand, um, to add a little bit of bondage. You have more power when the person that you're with can't move their limbs very well or very far. Um, you know, th and I'm not, I don't necessarily mean super elaborate, ex you know, uh, macrame rope bondage. I mean like a little scarf that's tied to the bedpost or, right. um, you can use, you can do it with your hand, hold someone's hand down with your hand or just, or just tell them or, or just instruct them. them, put your hands there. Don't, don't move. move. That's and my favorite kind of bondage, actually. It's my favorite kind of bondage, too, I won't lie. <laughs> I'm bad with rope, actually, so uh, true confessions, that's part of the reason, but I also, I love, I love that psychological hold, I find. The, the rush of the power that I have yeah. over that person is, yeah. is more power, not to, not to hate on, um, other kinds of bondage, but I also do think that even, like you were saying, like, a silk scarf, right? Yeah. Like, a, if, if or one were to... Right. Like, if someone was to struggle against a silk scarf, it is, as opposed to a well-tied rope knot or a leather, leather cuff, cuffs, exactly, like... Metal handcuffs, you can't escape those things. Right. But the silk tie has more flexibility to it and more give. And, and also, it's I think... about it Frequently, it's about perceived power, not real power. You yeah. can easily get out of many, many ties and many pieces of bondage and you know, many, it's not about like, um, you can't get away. It's about, oh, I have something I can, I can pull against, mm. or I feel contained right now where, and like held well. So, so basic bondage would be one thing. Yeah. Basic, you know, a little bit of, um, body play, a like rough body play. Um, you know, maybe a little more wrestling, a little more throwdown, a little more, you know, tough, like big handfuls of flesh kind of style of grabbing and groping and like shoving around, um, a little bit of impact or percussion play, something that was, you know, 
escalating whatever you were doing right now, if assuming that everybody was into it. We didn't talk about the consent part of feminism, which I was like, agency and consent, agency and consent. But, um, Oh, we can talk about consent. But obviously there's right. Like, obviously I'm saying this within a context of everybody being, I'm so into that. Will you please put a silk scarf around my ankles? Well, right. And I think that it's important to point out, and I, you know, this is going to come up again and again and again, but nobody should ever feel the pressure that because they're interested in bondage, that they also have to be interested in getting whipped that, you know, that just because they're even, even that they're interested in power, that they would be interested in bondage bondage or you know any or you know, or sensation play Rough or sex. anything else that we're talking about you know sometimes just uh suggestion or intention or um or physicality that you can just you know you talked about rough sex like and that sort of like groping the throw down like it doesn't even have to be uh like incredibly aggressive, but just, I think a lot of the times what people are looking to experience is, um, a physical display of passion. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And that is where that power can start running. And because people Mm -hmm. want to really express it, well, and they want to express, they want to express their desire and they want to feel wanted. And that can be a really good way of doing it. Power is an incredible way to express desire for someone and to feel wanted. That is, I think that's an excellent way to say that. Um, and for me, it's kind of like how I learn just about anything. I take it to the nth degree as high as I can. If I want to learn, you know, um, I don't know, uh, how to make, um, ice cream at home. I'm not going to just be like, I'll just buy some ice cream and, eat some and then I'll learn. I'm going to (laughs) go get some books. I'm going to listen to podcasts. I'm going to read the blogs. I'm going to buy an ice cream maker. I'm going to try techniques. I'm going to do it again and again and again until I kind of get it. And I'm going to immerse myself in it a little bit. And I'm going to, I'm going to escalate my interaction with it until I feel like I have some confidence in that. And I think that's kind of the same thing with, um, expression of desire and power where like if I can express it in this slightly more extreme way mm. it comes across bigger and and you can sink into it deeper because I'm because I've kind of turned it up I've amped it up it's so interesting also it occurs to me that uh, I think that we take it for granted that, that sexuality would be a uh, a sphere in which to explore all of these things because the truth is is that all of the things that we're talking about, with power play and the catharsis of engaging in other people in these kinds of negotiated struggle are actually very everyday occurrence, uh, occurrences such as organized sports. And I'm not hating on organized sports. Like organized sports is a, a place that is like condoned, culturally condoned to get all of these things out. And I think that most people have had some kind of experience with organized sports where that kind of, uh, unleashing of a little bit more of, uh, like raw primal aggression within the, cause like the point of organized sports is that there are pre-negotiated rules, right? So you, you unleash yourself, you feel safe unleashing yourself within those rules and you can recognize when somebody is, getting out of control because they're, it's foul. Breaking the rules. Right. And there are people there to keep them accountable. There are people there to say, 
Hello, you get a yellow card. And yeah. also, now you're going to get written up in all of the basketball magazines tomorrow because you broke the rules. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and we loved, we love to watch that. You know, it's part of the reason people identify with sports teams, right? They're like, they're like, I don't, I don't get to do that. I don't give myself a place to do that. Um, so I'm going to watch people like be totally primal and literally hit each other. And, like, run and barrel into each other. Bash into them, each other, right. Right, and we live uh, vicariously through them in, in right. some of those ways. And we do that, too, with uh, witnesses of uh, romance and relation with all of our giant culture of, you know, drama and mm. um, uh, rom-coms, romantic comedies. And right, they're the fictional stories see. in which, as you were just saying those dynamics are amped up to the nth yeah. degree so that we can recognize them and empathize with them and perhaps experience some catharsis. Again, I, like, I think that I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. Like, I personally think that, like, the emotional release of, like, watching, you know, this, watching your stories, watching your programs that you like is totally healthy, uh, yeah. you know, like, in, playing in or, like, uh, uh, being, uh, uh, watching sports is and the catharsis that you experience from that is also uh totally healthy um obviously anything can be overdone um <laughs> right your relationship to the thing is kind of what determines whether or not it's healthy not the thing itself yeah exactly in my opinion but the other thing i want to say about when you were saying you know that you and i use sexuality as an arena to explore this mm -hmm. stuff is that I, I really don't... I think that's totally true, and I forget that other people don't do that sometimes because I'm so mired in that world, the same way people who do sports all the time are like, what do you mean you haven't been to the gym in six months? Right. That's so not my world. But um, but I, I'm very frequently curious what would happen to our, our culture, our, our sexuality culture, our larger queer culture... Any, the, and then the bigger even rings out of, you know, the entire westernized American culture, whatever, in this world. What would happen if we were not tolerating and enduring the sex that we were having instead mm -hmm. of uh, really being in places that we, you know, that maybe our mantra was no enduring. I'm not going to endure this. Mm -hmm. And same, you know, going back to how do you start this? And I was saying bondage and whatever. Um, uh, assumably with all of the conversations about consent. Yes. Yeah. There's no enduring in these explorations. If you want to, you know, um, try on some power, it's not about enduring someone else's power and tolerating something. Mm. It's about finding a place of your own, uh, liberation and comfort and, uh, catharsis and release and not about, you know, putting up with something, putting up. So I'm in any suggestion that I give, it is always with the assumption that you are not going to be putting up with and you are not going to be enduring. And, you know, also with putting up with, uh, there is a degree that, like, sometimes your partner wants sex if you're in some long-term thing mm. or your partner wants to try some stuff out and maybe you're not, like, totally into it, but maybe you're like, you know what, what's cool? Like, sure. Well, we'll there's do this thing with you. Sure, there's a really big difference between 
Um, Being game versus exactly like putting yourself in a position of dis- major discomfort, un- maybe uncomfort versus discomfort. I don't know. Some, yeah. There's some line there, and I don't know exactly where it is. I'm sure it's different for everybody. Yeah. And in every situation, and in any given month, like if I am, you know, bleeding or PMSy or something, then I will have a much lower tolerance. Absolutely. Than other times, if I'm dis- I'm uncomfortable. I'm like, I need a blanket. Yeah. So everything has to stop. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it so funny too? Because sometimes, in a, in within the context of consent, uh, you do create a scenario in which you are, you use the word endure, and like I I can say that I really love tests of endurance. So Mm. like I really love to show off um, what I can put up, but it's not it's not putting it's it's endurance in the sense of. Being like this is this is what I can like this is what I can take on, um, but uh, just like a, going back to sports, just like a test of endurance. Like, sure. Like how many lifts, so how many fun. weights can I lift? How many miles can I beat my personal best? Yeah. Right. So, but it's not. But it's not. But like that is totally different. It's not just grit your pe- teeth and bear it and just yeah. get through this. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. not the same as like I'm just gonna keep going and see what I can do because I know the magic my body is capable of. Yeah. Exactly. It's not the same. And it's um and it's also totally different if you and I are gonna do something for you to say I want to see what I can take yeah versus me saying like no just come on more for me because i want you to and you're like but I, okay that's or like let's see how many years of of boredom you can take oh, <laughs> no enduring a, boredom no that's a hard limit <laughs> so two things about that one is um okay i remember one is that um i think that too many people don't let themselves authentically receive Yes. Uh, pleasure, the pleasure that they want, the, the pleasure in the moment. And, yeah. and the other is um, uh, that it is, a, that you do not have to choose top or bottom, that like you can be totally switchy and go around and have dirty sex and rough sex and whatever kind of sex that you want. A sweet, loving, really, I don't know average yeah. sex. <laughs> like it can be just like, oh, um, that was pretty average orgasm. But, um, hey man, an average orgasm is like better. an average bagel, right? It's <laughs> well, you live in New York City. <laughs> an average bagel here is quite decent. However, also average orgasms are really great. Right, totally. <laughs> in New York City, average orgasms. It's in the water. I, yeah, I can totally dig that in the sex positive culture of this, of this city that you can tap into, but you don't have to. But if you go around to like enough airports and order average bagels, oh man, your average goes oh, down. So low. yes, but the, like totally. the, you don't have to be your top or a bottom. You don't have to even identify quote unquote as a switch. And I, I do think, I don't think most people fall on the extreme ends of the power scale. I think most people are in the middle of the power scale in some way. They like to give power. They like to get power maybe in the same moment, maybe in the same scene, maybe within the same relationship. They don't compartmentalize like I am only in charge with you and I'm only, you know, uh, not in charge with you. And frequently I love talking about power. It totally gets me hard. And I frequently forget to mention that (laughs) because uh, people, I, sometimes I go from my, away from my classes and people say, but can, do you have to be a top or a bottom? Like, oh, sorry. No, of course not. No. You don't have to do any of this, actually. But 
Um, uh, but you definitely don't have to choose and you don't have to extremize it. I like extreming, you know, <laughs> making it really, really one polar end to the other because when you turn up the polarity for me, the tension gets turned up and I think, mm. I think the sex is hotter. Yeah. My orgasms are better. They're not just average and my, um, or mediocre. <laughs> just average is pretty good actually totally that's what i'm saying yeah yeah uh and i don't i really don't think especially as um people you know as someone who is very uh brought up female and brought up womanly in whatever way brought up as a girl i'm i've been socialized to be a people pleaser and socialized yeah. to put other people's pleasure before my own and to really take uh take the pleasure that I want, the taking is one piece, and to really receive the pleasure that you yeah. want is another piece too. I, I, I don't think people receive very fully. So bottoming and giving no other option but to be, you know, tied spread eagle or, you know, being jarred at the edges of your skin into receiving it fully uh, with some impact play or being, you know, having some psychological stuff going on mm. where you're like, have no choice but to let go and give over can be a way to trick ourselves into really really receiving the the love and care and attention mm. and desire and passion that someone wants to give you oh my god that's so fucking beautiful it's so romantic i i think it is very romantic we should take our clothes off oh oh well oh that was like a foreplay oh well oh no i mean we can i mean it's just it's radio <laughs> so well, they can't see us is that we could saying? be naked right now this oh we're totally hilarious. naked right now um <laughs> that's hilarious well that's um that's what i should do at the end of every show we could just is get naked take all our clothes off yeah or just reveal that you've been naked the whole time mm. great p.s p.s i can see your dick getting hard talking about power <laughs> well yeah see i totally do get hard talking about power and that's I, what i mean about the power being the negotiation being foreplay you know yes we can i completely agree with that by the way of course you do of course i do because you're a power slut a <laughs> little bit a little bit um well i think that's a really nice note to end on and um love it uh, thanks for being on my show and giving me faith that this show is going to be so awesome. It's going to be so fun. I'm going to listen all the time. Yeah. Shall we, shall we hug? Shall we see if the hug comes across on the, on the audio? Mm. I feel so powerful. Oh, are you in, in power in this? Yes, moment? I'm in power. Okay. I'm in charge. All right. Yes. Receive and my, I'll receive, receive your hug. my, yes. <laughs> I don't know if that changed anything, but that's an interesting experiment. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Sexman. Oh, thank you very much. episode of why are people into that 
Be sure to check out our website, wirepeopleintothat.com, designed by the amazingly talented Justin Levesque. And if you're feeling all hot and bothered about power now that you've listened to this episode, you should absolutely head on over to Smitten Kitten's website, smittenkittenonline.com. They've got all manners of toys for bondage and restraint, collars, blindfolds, nipple clamps, ball gags, chastity devices, paddles, floggers, and excellent books and DVDs on the subject. Everything you'll need to add the how to your why. One last big shout out to my dear friends Pine, who created the sultry Wire People Into That theme song. I'm Tina Horn, signing off. See you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.